Welcome to 99% Geek Presents an audiobook theater podcast. I'm your host and writer behind 99geek.ca, Andrew Getsy, and this is being recorded on uh, Monday, May 17th, 2021 at 3.14pm. My goal in life has always been to write for television, but it's a goal I've had little luck so far in attaining. So instead, I've resorted to self-publishing novels on Amazon, but writing the monthly chapters like episodes of TV shows that people can download at, page, at 99geek.ca. Every chapter is released in four parts, a teaser in three acts, and every month features a different book spanning both science fiction and fantasy and every genre in between. I'll be right back. Sorry, I had a window open, but uh, it's already that out there, so I have to go close that for now. Alright, I'll just sweat instead, it's fine. That's right, I wrote all the books featured on this podcast, trying to make ends meet in what feels like a poverty nightmare. I'm doing all of this alone, living off unemployment insurance. I have, I don't have a budget, I don't have a team, no editors or producers. I have no backup, no support. I'm completely alone, pro bono, with nothing but my passion for telling stories. And thus I ask you not to judge me or my work or my production values too harshly. I'm doing the best I can, trying to wear all the hats. Tonight we'll be reading from Phase 3 of Season 1 of 99% Geek, a chapter of a book entitled Adrift Homeless. Remember you can follow along at 99geek.ca. Chapters are somewhat standalone, but at least make sure you start on Week 1 for the recap. This is not Week 1. This is Chapter or Episode Number 11 of Adrift Homeless, entitled Still Be Here When You Get Back. And so we continue with Week Number 2. Hall of Records, Prime Station, um, let me try that again. Hall of Records, Prime Central Station, Romeria. I need access to records, John said to the custodian of records, who would be who you would ask. Uh, It was a woman this time, though the title was nothing more than a fancy designation for a security guard crossed with a librarian. She sat behind a large black marble desk and seemed quite absorbed in whatever was on her screen. No one gets access without clearance, she said to John without even looking at him. John smiled at her. I have clearance, he assured her. I'm Colonel John Adams. Uh Uh-huh, she said, her eyes still glued to her screen. Do you have ID? John slapped his ID onto the countertop. She glanced at it for a split second and was immediately back to her screen. You could have led with that, you know. The door to the mainframe began to open, the large thick doors tearing apart, the gears grinding as the two sides of the door rose and lowered into the ceiling and floor. Sorry, John apologized to the woman. I am used to people knowing who I am. As soon as he said it, he realized how self-absorbed it made him sound, especially the voice I'm giving him. Uh, Even the custodian raised an eyebrow at him. Okay, Mr. Big Shot. She said, finally tearing herself away from the screen to lean forward on her desk. Is there anything I can help you find today? John gave her what he hoped was a goodbye smile. No, thank you. He said, leaving her desk to walk through the doors into the mainframe. Looking back, he could see the woman get out from behind her desk to follow after him. With a sigh, he decided to clue her in. I've been trying to look up the private records for a specific enlisted officer. John told the custodian, the large round central mainframe sprawled out before him, 
He stepped up to the nearest terminal. Turning it on with the touch of a button, the screen bring up a sign-in dialog. He typed in his credentials and logged into the system. The private records are kept off. Oh, this is her. Sorry. The private records are kept off an open network for safety and are only accessible by general or higher clearance. John finished her sentence. The person I'm looking into is a general. After reaching general a higher rank, their file was made a matter of public record for transparency and historical purposes. Except, of course, any reference to the Rebirth Project, until recently, or any other blacklisted operations. Instead, it had been like Ed Gilbert's entire public record had been blacklisted. John pulled up the records again, finding about the same empty profile as before, at least up until his public record exploits after joining up. It's like he didn't exist before he enlisted, John said, bringing up Gilbert's birth certificate. And look at this, it's from 90 years ago. When was that picture taken? The custodian asked, looking at the picture in the corner of the screen. That's how he looks now, John told the custodian. Pretty damn good for a 90-year-old man. Look at the parents, John pointed out. They weren't listed. The lines for the names of Gilbert's parents were left blank. The custodian butted in, putting her finger to the screen. Ah, but look at that, she said. That seal there. She pointed to a mark on the birth certificate. John had assumed the strange circular ink smudge to be just that, a smudge. Especially considering the apparent age of the paper, it wasn't so wild an assumption. That's a request for amended documents, the custodian explained. He shouldn't have been able to enlist without acquiescing to their request, she said, typing away at the keyboard. It's weird that the amended certificate wasn't in his file. But I'm attempting to bring it up. If it had the same certificate number, then it should... Her search pulled up a result. Here you are. John took over at the terminal as she pointed again at the screen. Karen Fansrick and Brewster Tia. Oh, he's, he's reading this, sorry. Karen Fransrick and Brewster Tiuk. John read the names that looked like they'd been written in with a different colored pen than everything else on the birth certificate. It had been a month, and this had been the first new lead he'd stumbled upon in all that time. It was only a week ago after starting at Gilbert's after starting at Gilbert's redacted profile after staring sorry it was only a week ago after staring at Gilbert's redacted profile for so long that John had realized some documents are only accessible on the private network. He did a search for the names of the parents. They're dead, he read aloud to the custodian. I'm not surprised, the custodian admitted. They'd have to be at least like by now. They died 70 years ago. John read on their de death certificates, but they have a daughter, Sable Tayuk. John did a search. Nothing. Tayuk is a Blazkar name, isn't it? The custodian suggested. John turned on her, about to call out a racism. 
when it occurred to him what she meant. After the first Blazcor War, she might have changed her name to avoid prosecution. John finished her thought, typing in Sab Sable Fanzrick. She took her mother's name after, during the war. She took her mother's name during the war, John read, and she's still alive. Eighty-four years old. There was a vibration in his pants, and he pulled his comms device from his pocket. I have to take this. John told the custodian as he saw Tamika's name on the caller ID. Mika. He said her name as he hit talk and brought the device inside of his face. I'm here to pick you up. Tamika's voice came through. We've got just barely more than a, a two-hour window or they're leaving without us. We might miss that window. John told Tamika. I'll keep you posted. He hung up on her and returned to the terminal. It was fine if the rebirth left without them. It was just going on a trial run around the system and then returning to orbit until tomorrow. I need to talk. <coughs> Fruit punch break. Do, 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 do. Sometimes when you're thirsty and you don't got water or coke or you don't want coke because too much sugar, drink some fruit punch. Still got a lot of sugar, but not as much as coke. All right. Um, I need to talk to that daughter. And John told the custodian, well, good luck with that. The custodian said to him, pointing out, pointing once more at the screen. It says here she lives in New Bajan. That's like on the other hemisphere. John smiled at her. Crossing hemispheres is like crossing the street to a guy like me. He said, bringing up his device to call Mika back. Scene change. Boop, boop, boo boo doop. Scene change. Boop, boop, boo boo doop. Scene change. Boop, boop, boo boo doop, boo boo doop. Bridge, rebirth, in orbit over Romeria. I forgot to do the voice. Bridge, rebirth, in orbit over Romeria. That makes it sound so much more like I'm a 10-year-old kid. All right. Hemenia City reported losing contact with Nebula Research Outpost about an hour ago, Pat said, as she brought up a hologram of the outpost. They were all standing around the holographic display, and David had to cover his eyes from the bright blue light emitted from the nebula that the outpost was situated against. We assume the re relay went out at the same time. And then a probe too? Lieutenant Sarah Mickles asked, trying to follow along from beside Emma. Emma, Sarah, and David were all leaning against one side with Kat to their left. General Gilbert and Council Leader Maggie May to the right, and David could just make out Billy across from them through the blue of the hologram. We sent the probe shortly after, Kat answered Sarah. About 15 minutes after the initial communication failure. We don't know the, the cause, but, but I p picked up a brief an energy spike just before the probe went out. She pushed a button on the holographic projector and it changed to a recording of the probe's radar screen, pausing at the last split second before it cut out. There was a small blip on the screen. David hadn't even noticed it last time. The whole thing had happened so fast. Sarah squinted at it. It's so small, she observed. 
that that's due to scale, Kat assured her. The, the sensor range of the probe extends to almost a million kilometers in every d d direction. So, what exactly are we talking about here? Maggie May asked from her spot closest to the elevator doors. She had been on board the Rebirth to oversee the test run before she had intended to disembark back to the planet. I'm telling you guys, Cadet Kevin Angeli insisted from his station at the front of the bridge, it's on attack. He wasn't invited to the meeting, but since they were having their meeting on the bridge, he was able to listen in and give his two cents anyway. David would have told him to get back to work, but being the weapons chief, David didn't expect the man had much that at that present time to do. He saw he wasn't the only one to roll their eyes at Angeli's continued in insistence. Kat gave quite the face as well, and they continued on, Argy pretending like they didn't hear him. And while they did that, I took a quick drink of my fruit punch. Fruit punch. It's better than a non-fruit punch to the face. Um. Yes, Kat gave a weird look, and then they continued on, ignoring... Cadet Angeli. If there was some sort of malfunction on the research outpost, Emma suggested, her arms crossed as she had been silently following along, that caused an explosion that tore the outpost apart. Could the debris have consequentially knocked out the relay? It's unlikely, Cat argued. Not not impossible, but 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 the d d dissipation. Sorry, this is like not Im impossible, but the d d dissipation that would occur by that range w w would make it highly improbable. And the probe, Billy asked as if it was obvious. He looked through the hologram at Emma like she was a moron for even asking. Cat shook her head. There w would be. There w would be n no way the the, the debris w could ha have made it out that that far. So, what other explanations are we looking at here? Maggie may ask, looking mainly at Cat. I'd be interested in hearing <clears throat> I'd be interested to hear them myself, Gilbert said, crossing his arms to match Emma. From the smirk on his face, he almost seemed amused. Perhaps some kind of ex expanding electromagnetic pulse, Kat suggested, by some kind of strange natural phenomenon in the nebula. We don't don't really understand much about it. It could also be like a sustained electromagnetic field, but I I have never seen something quite like such a thing. Cat fidgeted with her fingers as she continued. It, it c c could be some kind of st stellar creation event. 
we we believe that that solar bodies are birthed in nebulas, but 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 we have no idea how the process works. It it could be that our solar system is in the process of transitioning into a binary star system. Of course, Emma corrected herself. The, the like, likelihood of any such event happening, and we w wouldn't wouldn't know be able to tell from here is in incredibly improbable. How likely? Oh, now somebody is using the vacuum. Wonderful. Hopefully you can't hear it. How likely, Gilbert asked, lighting a cigar from his pocket, would you say any of these alternatives might be? Kat didn't respond, but the slight shake of her head and loss for words said everything she needed to. It's on attack, said Cadet Angeli from his station. Who the hell is that guy? Sarah asked in frustration, looking around at them all gathered there. Weapons, Emma told her before David could. Gilbert picked him. Damn right I did, Gil uh, General Gilbert muttered, taking a puff of his cigar. Qualified and has his mind in the right place. Might be the best appointment on this whole damn bridge. David was aware that the general statement included him. It doesn't really matter what it is, David said, finalizing the debate. I propose we modify our original flight plan during the test. Instead of doing an orbit around the system, I think we should head straight to the edge of the nebula and investigate what happened to that research outpost. I concur with the doctor, General Gilbert muttered, taking another puff of his cigar. David was shocked that the general was actually agreeing with him, so much so he didn't think anything of the general not bothering to use his rank in doing so. Killing two birds with one stone ain't so bad an idea. What if it is one of these expanding electromagnetic pulses you mentioned? Maggie May asked Kat. Won't it incapacitate the rebirth with just as much ease? No, David assured her. Well, well, well yes, Kat corrected him. Uh, oh, David looked at the science chief in surprise. Matt continued, which is why we, here, well, I want to quickly fix this while they vacuum away, which, why we will pour it sorry, sometimes I'm inconsistent with the, uh, Stuttering, so I'm just gonna fix that. Well, they vacuum close by me. Yes, yes, vacuum, vacuum away. Do it, vacuum. All right, I think we're good. Oh, David looked at the science chief with surprise. Cat continued. Which is why we will p p port to the edge of the neb nebula. 
and the potential potentially arrived in, inside the ex expanding radius of the pulse. Assuming it's strongest on the edge of the pulse, Billy argued, or that it isn't consistent or repeating pulses. It's a, a d d danger, Kat agreed with the guy. Everything we d d do out here is a d d danger. That That's like our b b business, right? The engine, the engines are ready, Emma said from beside David, and the port drive is officially hooked up, hooked in with its own capacitor. We have solar panels that line the hull of the ship that will directly charge the capacitor for the port drive every time we use it. That's on a whole different circuit than the rest of the ship's systems. Though once the port drive capacitor is fully fully charged, the solar energy can be redistributed to help with the ship's overall power load. How long does it take to charge? Gilbert asked, seeming more interested in the workings of the port drive than anything else in the briefing. That depends on how far we have to travel, Emma told them. Uh, and the output of the solar body, Kat added, Emma concluded, anywhere from one hour to one day. Mr. Dell, Maggie May called out across the bridge, where she was, where she was the furthest at the back of the bridge. Jack Dell was the closest person to the main screen, currently giving a transparent window view of the beige yellow planet below. And unlike Engeli, he wasn't actively scoop, snooping in on them. When the mayor of Amelia City said his name, he looked up and around like he didn't know who had spoke. What is the current status of the ship? She asked him. Oh, the vacuum's back. It's gone, okay. Jack's hands worked their way across his terminal, and he reported on what he came on, on what came up. Control reports that with the last transports coming in, we have hit about one hundred and eighty-seven thousand people on board. While not full capacity, it was pretty damn close. Not bad for an effort that had only a month to seriously ramp up and hit their accelerated timeline. The agricultural decks are reporting about 70% of sustainable yield, but hope to get that number higher with the next rotation of crops, Jack continued. And engineering reports all damage to the hull and engines during the incident have been tended to. Have been tended to. I could have told you that, Emma whispered, shifting her weight. Thank you, Mr. Dell. Maggie May smiled at the dark-skinned pilot. That was perfect. Yeah, Gilbert muttered. Round of applause for David. He picked someone that could read. David, David frowned at the general, who only smirked back and ashed his cigar on the holographic projector in front of him. Beside him, Maggie May closed her eyes as if trying to maintain her cool. He could see her mentally stamping down any harsh words she wanted to say to the general, and David knew exactly how she felt. I see no reason to delay then, the council leader said to everyone around her. The mission is a go. We depart in oh one hundred hours. David had to take a quick moment to remember she meant military time and not actually a hundred hours. He'd been just about to ask a stupid question. He looked at Emma, but when he spoke, it was to everyone on the bridge. You know your assignments. Dismissed.
Emma unfolded her arms and grabbed David's hand, giving it a squeeze. He could tell she was just about exploding with anticipation and nerves, but she was hiding it well. You're gonna do well, he assured her. She nodded at him. And if I don't, we, we can just blame it all on you. Scene change. Boop, boop, Modified Blastcore Gunship Mark 2.5 in flight over the deep desert. Monday, Monday, Monday. It's supposed to be sometime on the weekend, but I will. This Monscar rally's on Monday. Alright, where were we? Um, in flight over the deep desert is where we were, apparently. You okay, Colonel? Tamika asked, glancing over at him from the pilot seat. You've hardly said anything the whole flight. Beneath them, the deep desert was rushing past as they continued their direct flight to New Bajan. It was true. He was a little distracted. This was my first time on the surface, he admitted to her. Since the incident was what he meant, but he didn't need to say it. It was bad. The Reaper's engines had ignited the oxygen in the atmosphere, creating a wave of fire that circled almost the entire globe. Everyone who was outside was incinerated. A lot of people inside were cooked as if in ovens, slowly burning alive. But a lot of structures had been strong enough to withstand the flames, though not without scorch marks, and the deaths were only a couple hundred thousand when it could very well have been everyone on the planet. That still left things a mess for the people who survived. With so much of the oxygen spent up, the oxygen level of Romeria had become such that someone couldn't survive outside for more than a minute or two without an oxygen tank. The rebirth setting off tomorrow was always going to be leaving those behind in a rough state, but now living conditions planet-side were worse than ever. Which was something that the city of New Bajan remained largely immune to. John could see the city on approach even from so far away. It had some of the planet's tallest skyscrapers, but it also had something else that made the city notable over other cities on the planet. The city was home to largely wealthy entrepreneurs and billionaire retirees, and when the situation around Romeria had begun getting worse, New Bajan took it upon themselves to construct a large dome around the city. No matter how bad things got around the planet, the people of New Bajan were comfortable and safe within the, their cozy little climate-controlled bubble. It looked like a large snow globe rising out of the desert as they drew closer to it, and just the sight of it made John queasy. The world suffers a cataclysmic loss of life, John muttered to Mika, and they don't even have a scratch. Mika smiled. I went to university there, you know, she told him. Engineering and physics with a minor in computer sciences. Your mom really wanted you to have an education, John pointed out with surprise. Tamika just shrugged, keeping her eyes ahead as they closed in on their destination. I think in some ways she wanted me to replace her one day. Take over the family business, so to speak. Instead, you burned her business to the ground, John pointed out teasingly, so to speak. Well, I was always a rebellious child, Tamika mused with a shrug. 
fruit punch break. Do 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 fruit punch break. Mm. 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 My lip just got open. Apparently it makes my lip dry. Who knew? Okay, we have chapstick for that. Chapstick break. Do 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 chapstick break. Pah. I was a little uh, all over the place with that and some of it went over my mouth. Bentley smell. No more. We're good. We're all good. Everything's good here. Alright. Where were we? Uh, we were inside a Blazcor Mark II gunship with John and Tamika heading towards New Bajon. And he is about to signal them. New Bajon Control, John said into the comms. This is Colonel John Adams of Himalaya City and the Rebirth Project requesting entry into the dome. The staticky male voice that came back was sharp and to the point. I feel like there should be a K there. I, nope, definitely no K there. That definitely looks wrong. My thing has stopped um, doing spell check <laughs> because it's such a big book and apparently all the you know made up names and shit. It was just like too many errors and then it just gave up. So now I'm working without a spell check and just spell checking myself, which is fun because who the fuck knows how to spell staticky? Um... Anyway, the staticky male voice that came back was sharp and to the point. Request for request for entry denied. Kamika whistled. They don't even want to ask you your reason for visiting? New Bajon. John repeated into his comms. For the sake of diplomacy, would you care to expand on your previous transmission? Colonel John Adams, the voice barked back. You were not cleared by your government to land here. Please go through the proper channels next time. Kamiga laughed quietly to herself as she slowed their gunship to a hover over the dome city. I'll remember that for next time, John said with a funny look to Tamika as she watched him. But in the meantime, I'm here on an investigative matter. As security chief on the rebirth, I have detective-like jurisdiction in orbit as well as planet side. And based on the peace accords your city signed 30 years ago, you have to cooperate with any and all allied investigations. There was a long pause, as the person on the other end of the line was either thinking it over or talking to a superior. What are the particulars of your investigation, Colonel? The voice came back with a question. With a sign, John... Oh, I think I'm supposed to say with a sigh. With a sigh... John gave them as much information as they needed. I'm here seeking to talk with the one Sable Fansrick. Another long pause. You've been granted clearance, the voice said as a small gate built into the side of the city opened up before their eyes. It was as if the very glass was spreading open for them. Please make your way to landing pad three. She will meet you there. All right, then. John commented as Tamika lowered their gunship into the dome, soaring between the skyscrapers on her atmospheric jets. Now we're getting somewhere. He pointed to a landing pad with a glowing three. There. It seemed like there was already someone there. Two people. A gentleman in a suit and a lady in a wheelchair. As Tamika brought the gunship to settle on its landing gear, John was able to confirm the woman in the chair was, in fact, was, comma, in fact, Comma, the one he had seen on the screen earlier. She looked beyond elderly 
with thin graying hair and deep-seated wrinkles all over her tanned face. So who's the babe? Tamika asked John casually. I think she might be the general's sister, John told her, seeing no reason to keep Mika in the dark. Tamika frowned as John got up from his seat and stepped into the back of his gunship. General Gilbert? That's right. Tamika looked back, judging the woman in a new light. Who told you that? She asked, apparently not convinced. John grabbed a pistol from the lockup and slid it into his holster. His birth certificate, John answered her. Tamika powered down the engines with the flick of a few switches, then got up from the control to follow after John as he began to lower the ramp. I don't understand, she continued. Why are you investigating the general? He turned around to face her. I have reason to believe he was working with your mother to help her invade the project. Tamika laughed. <laughs> and that's impossible, she assured him. I would have known. John shook his head, looking back to the ramp as it crunched into the landing pad below them. I caught him practically in the act, he assured her. And later, your mother pretty much admitted to me in no uncertain terms. He's connected somehow. I just don't know how. Colonel Adams. The old woman's raspy accented voice rose up from the platform. Both John and Tamika descended the ramp to meet her. They said that was your name. You must have given control quite a fright, sidling up in that old war vehicle. In that old war relic. Sorry, let me try that whole line again. They said that was your name. You must have given control quite the fright, sidling up in that old war relic. I just like doing the accent, sorry. Lady Fanswick, John spoke her name. I've come all this way to talk to you about your brother. The old woman laughed to herself. <laughs> it figures a handsome boy like yourself wouldn't be interested in one such as me. She gestured for her man to turn her chair around. I'm afraid your journey was a waste of your time, Colonel, for I do not have a brother, and I never did. Awkward, Tamika muttered to John. The man had already pushed the wheelchair three steps off the platform before John could yell after them. Ed Gilbert isn't related to you, then? The man pushing Mrs. Fanzerick stopped. He didn't turn her around, but John could see her hand from her how her seat was turned. Gilbert, she repeated what he'd said. Ed Gilbert is a name I've not heard in a very long time. A very long time. So you do know him, Tamika called out to her. Know him, the woman repeated again. I would say that I do, my dear girl. Gilbert, Colonel, was the name of the man who killed my parents. And that 
is the end of week two. But if you enjoyed that and you're like, oh my god, what happens next? And trust me, it's crazy because it's already written and it's already on the site at 99geek.ca or patreon.com slash 99geek. I know them works. You go there. You go to that site and it's there. All you have to do is subscribe $1. That's right. I, what I'm going to start doing from now on is releasing my uh, writing a week early for subscribers. So if you're a subscriber, you can, uh, for just a dollar, then you can read my writing uh, a week early. So even though I'm releasing a week, Week two, which you just heard now to everyone, week three is available and on the site. It's not edited yet. So, for instance, you saw uh, if you're watching the video uh, of this, then you might have seen some of the ways I have to quickly change and edit things. Uh, sometimes a word that's supposed to be like uh, he he moved he sat down in the chair now, um, but I or um, he's now going to sit in the chair, but instead I I hit a T instead of the W, so it says he's not going to sit in the chair, and it's like, whoa, shit, that just changed the whole sentence. Uh, so things like that happen, and uh, you kind of got to be ready for that. Uh, if you want to check out my writing um, unedited for subscribers only, um, and if, uh, you know, if you, you can always read the unedited version, and then next week read the edited version as well, and read, just read it twice and get double the pleasure and see how it's changed, perhaps. Um, but yeah, so that is a new thing I'm offering on the site, a new perk to being a subscriber. Now you get early access to my writing. Um, but of course, it's still going to eventually be available for everyone. Um, and in fact, I'm showing it. <laughs> I showed some of week three just now to the people in the video. So uh, lucky them. Um, we'll close that and bring up the ending spiel. Let's do it. My name is Andrew Getze, and my brand is 99% Geek, found at 99geek.ca. I'm a writer, writing monthly chapters of novels like episodes of TV shows, releasing them in four weekly segments, a teaser and three acts, on Mondays at noonish on my Patreon page. Just a sec. Water break. Um, I wanted to uh, say that uh, as far as noonish is concerned, consider it like noonish begins at noon eastern time and then it ends at 1 p.m pacific time right <laughs> we'll say for the sake of uh giving me a window um so that that's actually like a four hour window uh pretty much uh, so yeah uh, and i seem to be hitting within that window pretty regularly even though it's been a little seems a little unstable i'm sure to you guys um so i'm sorry about that but yeah so uh, as I was saying, I'm a writer reads, uh, writing monthly chapters of novels like episodes of TV shows, releasing them in four weekly segments, a teaser and three acts, on Mondays at noonish on my Patreon page. Every month it's a different book, over a range of genres, and they sometimes even cross over and connect. At the end of the month, the finished chapter is added to the PDFs attached at the bottom of every post. Finally, the finished books are self-published on Amazon. There's a dark fantasy story about a post-apocalyptic world where powerful royals rule and enslave the remaining people struggling to survive on the last remaining landmass. There's also a sci-fi story about a people on a dying world who have built a ship to a new one, but the project is almost brought down by a terrorist organization within their own ranks. Finally, there's a crossover story where characters from my other books are brought into the distant future where the princess of a far advanced civilization, one that lives in a solar-sized uh, a solar system-sized megastructure around a Dyson sphere. So, so hard. Let's try saying that five times fast. Solar system-sized megastructure around a Dyson sphere. Solar system-sized megastructure around a Dyson sphere. Solar system-sized. I lost it. Um, yeah, so that was hard. I'm oh, sorry. I just 
Maybe you listen to that. Fun uh, let me throw that over. Fun finally, there's a crossover story where characters from my other books are brought into the distant future where the princess of a far advanced civilization, one that lives in a solar system-sized megastructure around a Dyson sphere, needs help defeating her twisted, power-hungry brother. And all these stories will be outside the paywall for all to enjoy as new episodes release weekly and the finished chapters will be attached at the bottom of every post on the site in convenient PDF format, readable on computers, tablets, ebook readers, and phones at the end of the month. But that's not all my stories. There's also urban fantasy tales about a teenage girl turned into a vampire against her will, or a scorned lover investigating paranormal phenomena, or a journalist covering news and politics in the Middle East. And there's a fantasy story about a fallen angel trying to stop the end of the world. All these stories are published and available on Amazon and are also safe and sound behind the paywall in PDF format, attached to an archive at the top of my Patreon page. Only viewable by subscribers, my entire library of work Thousands of pages worth is easily accessible to every subscriber at any level. There's even a Geekly Weekly blog which covers all the news you may have missed over the week, as well as ranks a week's worth of television and makes predictions on what new pop culture things might be in the public consciousness for the next week. It releases every Saturday at noonish. Again, noonish as in noon Eastern time to 1 p.m. Uh, Pacific time. Uh, where was I? Finally, I do video game streams, both multiplayer matchmaking as well as single player campaign playthroughs. You can see me play games like Final Fantasy, Call of Duty, Hitman, and more. Watch them as they happen at twitch.tv slash wingcommander4 or wait till I release the recorded videos on days when I have nothing else to release. And you can see it all in one place. So state, and also on days when I have nothing else to release, and also I'm not horribly distracted by my writing and typing away at that and not worrying about anything else. Those days are also not gonna have released content. Sorry. There's been time there's been a week stretch I've gone without anything just because I was so desperately working on intro filmless. Um so I apologize for that. Um it's not me quitting or um being lazy or anything. It's just me really focused on the writing, which always comes first. So stay tuned and maybe subscribe. It's only a dollar and the support you show will go a very long way, I promise. There are also higher tiers. Give $5 one month and you can name a character or location or suggest a thing you might want to see. Basically, you get to give a noun, and then I promise to incorporate that noun into one of my stories somehow. Maybe not the same month you give a suggestion, but within three months guaranteed. No matter how crazy, you can't sabotage me, I promise. Think of it like a fun improv game. And you, can't, and you can keep giving nouns for every month you pay at the $5 tier. Or if you give $10, you don't get two nouns, but you can give a description to go with your noun. Describe the personality of your character, or the look of your location, or the importance of your item. For $10, you get a noun and a description. You can also give a dollar towards supporting my efforts at video game streaming, or my weekly blog if that's more where your interests lie. And all subscribers at every tier will get access to unedited... Uh, to will get early access to unedited get early access to my writing unedited but released a week early if you finish the current week and feel excited to find out what happens next that's an option there i'm as poor as it gets living paycheck to paycheck and sometimes starving, so I understand if you are too. I don't want to take food out of your mouths. Your attention is enough. Say something. Comment here, or at the very least, follow me on Twitter at Andrew Getze, or Instagram at Wing Commander 4 Remember to leave a review if you read one of my books, 
and any reviews on Amazon slash Goodreads or subscriptions here or comments on social media will just encourage more people to check out my work and allow me to grow. I can't do it without your efforts. That's three different ways you can help. Write reviews on any site that lets you. Subscribe here for as low as a dollar. Or at the very least, use your voice to let me and the world know you like what you read here. Live long and prosper. May the force be with you. Long live Marceline the Vampire Queen. Remember that Kong bows to no one, but Godzilla is the king of all monsters. We are the 99% Geek.